Army veteran Andrew Rosado says it took him six years after getting out of the Army, working as a government contractor and government employee, to finally realize his dream of turning his home winemaking hobby into operating a microwinery in the heart of Alexandria, Virginia. Woodlawn Press Winery is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal Credit Union likes to reward their members for using their credit cards. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, today we're talking with Army veteran Andrew Rosado, uh, founder of Woodlawn Press Winery. You, you and your wife, Bonnie, are the founders. So before we get to talking about this, with a really cool concept, what you guys are doing, you don't actually grow your own grapes. You buy the juice, bring it in, and then you take it from there and turn it into wine. So really looking forward to hearing about that. But first, we want to hear about what you did in the Army. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on um, and and to kind of share my experience. Um, uh, but yeah, so I was an Army officer uh, from 2009. Uh, I commissioned and then got out 2013. Um, but funny enough, uh, probably a year before I got out, that's where I started my winemaking hobby. Um, uh and I got into it actually through my wife's uh, cousin who opened up their winery up in Washington County, PA, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. about 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah, so <laughs> the the year before I transitioned out, uh, I, I just happened to pick up this hobby and it kind of um, snowballed from there. Um, but but before all the, the winery stuff. Um, so uh, 2013 came and, and I transitioned out of the army. Um, and honestly, uh, you know. I had no plans. Uh, I, well, the only plan I honestly had was to finish my master's degree program, um, which at the time uh, I was going to finish that and then convert over to that uh, to that profession, that career field. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, honestly, I kind of got bored at the same time, so I just en- ended up applying to jobs. Um, and I like to call it my transition job because uh, uh, for basically the next six years, I worked uh, – in and outside of the government as both as a federal employee and as a government contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and that's where it kind of started. Just, 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 just my experience. Um, and, and, and into that transition that, you know, I kind of want to highlight too, like um, it, I guess it's okay not to know what you want to do just to ca- kind of keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's what I, uh, had, um, my sites for is just, just, just keep doing something. Um, so anyways, I started, um, just applying to different jobs. I ended up being a, a federal contractor working for, uh, the, uh, defense intelligence agency as a contractor at their headquarters here, uh, Bowling Air Force Base. Um, uh, surprisingly I was doing event management. So, you know, I had uh, my operations background in the army and they thought it was a good fit, uh, let alone I had the right clearance at the time. So it was kind of, uh, fitting. Um, and I like to tell people that that was a good transition point for me because I was, I was a civilian working in a military environment. Um, so, um, and you know, there I, I picked up a lot of good experiences, uh, definitely working with new people, learning and, 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 and adjusting to new things on the spot, on the fly and, and learning how to deal with that. Um, and then later I transitioned more into what I was doing for the rest of that six years, which I ended up, uh, becoming a, a um, 
a federal employee for the Transportation Security Administration uh, headquarters, TSA headquarters mm-hmm. uh, he, up here at um, uh, Pentagon City. Um, so there, I, that's I spent like four, maybe five years over there, and um, I was uh, doing training. So I was in training development and, and professional development over there. Um, again, I thought at the time that, uh, you know, I was just going to get a nine to five job. Um, it was steady. Me and my wife had just, uh, had our first daughter or our first kid. Um, and I was just kind of living the life. Um, well, that wasn't the case, <laughs> right? So I, uh, I, I kept, um, uh, you know, going to work, doing projects, but honestly, it came to a point where a lot of things were predictable, and um, there wasn't a lot of creative outlets and you, you know, you were still restricted uh, to certain things and um, it just wasn't too exciting. Right. So, huh. um, so, uh, you know, and, and through all these, these years too, um, I kept uh, doing the winemaking hobby in, in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it kind of just snowballed and, and, and like I said, into what it is. And honestly, we, we had thought about opening up a winery I don't know, maybe four or five years prior to us actually doing it. Um, and it, and it finally came to the point where it was like, we just need to stop hoping for the best time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop overanalyzing it and planning it so much that we just need to do it. Um, and, um, funny enough, right before I left the TSA headquarters, I, I ended up taking a training manager job as a, um, contractor again, uh, knowing that I would, at some point was, we were going to start this business. Um, but, uh, that was kind of a, a, a strategic move, uh, just, you know, cause we were try- trying to get some income as well. Um, so a lot of moving parts as we wanted to, uh, in, in, in endeavor in this project of ours. Um, so we, uh, we just said, you know, let's stop all of that. We're going to start our, our, our uh, LLC, um, start our business plan, uh, look into commercial spacing, look into distribution for um, grapes and, and juice that, that we're using. And, and then we kind of went from there. Um, but, but you, you know, let me go back like this. This took me six years, you know, to <laughs> to finally to finally uh, understand that and appreciate that and kind of know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it came to a point where, um, you know, we finally, uh, uh, started the business and, uh, just being an entrepreneur itself, it helped me understand <clears throat> that at least for me personally, that, you know, I appreciated like having somewhat of control in there and doing what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Right. Um, and just having a, a winery was, was the means for all that. Um, so yeah, so it definitely helped me as far as my mindset, uh, was concerned was that, um, this was the, the right time and right opportunity, right thing for me to do. Um, so, uh, 2018 timeframe, um, uh, quit the job or no, sorry. It was early 2019, quit the job. And then we actually opened up our winery, uh, 2019, uh, July of 2019. Um, however, uh, we just celebrated our two year anniversary and, um, about a little over a year, a year and a half has been in, in COVID. So, um, we haven't had a, a, a quote unquote traditional year yet. Uh, we're still working through that, but I, I gotta say with, with our community base so far and, and given the hard work that me and my wife have put into it, uh, we've, we've survived 
thus far, essentially. Yeah. So, um, so are, are, are you making most of your money off people that come into the winery or, or wine sales externally? Yeah. Uh, so for right now, it's, it's mostly internally. We're working on distribution right now. And, and it's kind of funny because we were um, pushing for distribution right before COVID started. So we yeah. kind of had a halt. Because liquor um, sales are like way up in COVID. Like like regular yeah. <laughs> liquor stores and stuff are like doing great during COVID. But if you exactly. require people to come into your place, that's a different story. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. So um, from when we opened until COVID hit, it was all basically in-store tastings, people sampling and buying bottles. Um, and, and then during COVID, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, however, when COVID started, we, we, you know, again, something that the military teaches is just to adapt. So what happened? We had to close, right? So we had to close the tasting room for about three months. Um, and literally overnight, we had to create an online store so people could order uh, for curbside pickup or, or we were doing local deliveries. Yeah. So that's that's what we were literally literally doing An for in, three months. Instant pivot, right? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we were, um, yeah, it was, it was late nights, uh, a, couple, a couple of those early nights when we, or before COVID, or right as COVID uh, started, where we were fixing the website and obviously there's issues with launching everything, uh, not collecting money right, not getting addresses right, not getting names right. So we didn't know who we were going to. Huh. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but, but, you know, just pivoting with it. And then um, we were doing deliveries for about the first three months uh, straight almost every day. And then as COVID or at least in here in Virginia, um, restrictions started being lifted a little bit. So we had some walk-in hours, uh, some reservations, uh, which we moved to reservations only because we have a limited capacity and that uh, helped us to have the uh, uh, social distancing uh, amongst customers. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of pivoting through that whole time uh, and, 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 and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, but like, like I mentioned, a year and a half in, for the whole business is, is, is in the age of COVID. Um, so now everything is almost uh, um, back to normal, but not because we're now, you know, now we're going to the fall and winter and there's some yeah. variants going on. So uh, again, we're keeping our eyes out because again, we may have to pivot again, um, whether we're doing more deliveries or having to go out more to people, whether it be farmers markets or out mm -hmm. to the consumer itself. Um, but yeah, so everything about 75% is uh, we're doing in-house. Um, and we started doing some local festivals, which is, which is helping out, but, uh, oh. distribution is, is next on the board. All right. Well, Andrew, yep. we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. For over 31 years as a Navy federal member, I've had many Navy Federal credit cards, and I can tell you that their rewards programs are great. We've booked a lot of airline tickets using our Navy Federal Rewards Program over the years, and you can now earn up to 1.75% cash back on all purchases with the cash rewards card from Navy Federal Credit Union when you sign up for direct deposit. And when you use the Navy Federal mobile app, you can redeem your rewards as soon as you earn them. Also, there's no annual balance transfer or foreign transaction fees. Plus, rewards never expire. So if you're looking for a card that has a great cash rewards program, the Navy Federal has what you're looking for. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Army veteran Andrew Rosado. So go back to when you first started up the Woodlawn Press Winery. And uh, yeah. talk about the concept of, well, first of all, you're a micro winery. And you also are kind of unique in that you don't produce your own grapes. 
you're buying the, the grape juice from somewhere else and then taking it from there. So talk a little bit about some of your startup struggles and what it's like uh, being a micro winery. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So since we are a micro winery, uh, well, we kind of dub ourselves that just because of the size and output uh, of, of volume, of what we're producing. Um, but uh, we, we essentially just work with a distributor who sources all the grapes and juice for us out of state uh, from the West coast, mostly California. And then we get the juice here and start fermenting in the back in our stainless steel tanks. Um, I, I will say, you know, thankfully, uh, through my wife's cousin, uh, who have their winery up in uh, Pennsylvania, that we leveraged them a lot uh, as far as um, their model and how they were sourcing and how they were doing it. And then we just kind of made it our own uh, up here in Northern Virginia. Um, so, uh, you know, thankfully through them, we got to see best practices and I, and I got to skip um, some of the, the lessons learned, at least from that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for the business aspect of, of when we actually opened uh, here, um, uh, you know, there was a lot of some, some lessons learned, especially with like intellectual property. Um, so, uh, for example, when we, uh, a couple of weeks right before we were about to open, um, you know, we did our research and, uh, Google searches and all that stuff. Uh, well, at one point we got a, a nasty gram, uh, to say it lightly, um, from a, a business about, I don't know, 15, 20 miles radius from here. Um, that basically said that we had to change our name. Uh, and potentially our logo because it interfered uh, with theirs and there'd potentially be some intellectual property damage there essentially. Um, You know, it was that or go to court. (laughs) So, um, you know, what was, what was the quick fix Uh, after, you know, talking with them, getting a couple lawyers, um, you know, we thought we had did did our due diligence and all that. Um, You know, it was kind of a gray area. So, the fastest way to get our doors open and start making money. Cause at that point, you know, we're on the clock um, because we're making wine, you know, we're paying for rent uh, for our commercial space. So, you know, time's of the essence. Um, so, you know, what we had to do is just pivot real quick. So we literally had to change our name overnight. So we went with Woodlawn, which is a geographical name here. Uh, so we went more with a geographical name because it's it's right next to Mount Vernon, uh, historical Mount Vernon estate. Uh, and then next to it is the Woodlawn historic house uh, and the Woodlawn area. Uh, so that was just a, 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 a quick fix for us that still was in line with uh, of our identity. Um, because before that it was, um, more of a Virginia name, uh, a general name. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just one quick lesson of, of what we had to learn. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it was, it was a, a <laughs> kind of a shock in the face when we got that nasty grant. But uh, again, just, um, just, tr- you know, being patient with yourself and not, uh, tr- trying to freak out and just, uh, and not understand it's the end of the world, but you just got to move yeah. in a d- different direction. Um, so, and when we uh, kicked off our store or the winery itself, um, it, one of those things we had to learn right off the bat was uh, social media and, and, and the, the presence of it and just having a good uh, hold uh, of what you need to do for social media. Right. Um, we really had none. Uh, we, that was a quick lesson learned. We, we realized we needed to do, uh, and honestly, we just kind of hoped we're like, okay, we'll open our doors and people are going to spread the word out for us. You know, some new news articles are going to come out. Uh, you know, that wasn't the case. You know, everyone is on social media, um, advertising, spreading the word. Um, and, and that is one thing we had to do real fast was to create a business page and, 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 
And honestly, we didn't have a website to begin with either. Um, so people couldn't find us, uh, let alone find us on Google Maps or, or Apple Maps, whatever it is. Um, so that, like I said, we, we just had no idea. We just was more concerned. And so vision uh, had our vision tunneled um, into opening our business that all that side stuff uh, which isn't side stuff, you know, it, it's absolutely important for your business uh, needed to happen. And we just kind of skipped over that and just went, went directly to our, our, our sales and our tasting room. Um, but that was uh, definitely a lesson learned in, in all of that. Um, but, um, uh, but, 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 but let me go back. Um, so as I got out of the army um, and, and I know, you know, some people are, are like you mentioned in the beginning, they're either transitioning out or about to transition out. Um, in the army, I'm not sure if it's the same now. Um, you know, we had a mandatory, I think 40 hour, um, transition classes, I guess you would call it, um, that, you know, they kind of set you up to, uh, get your resume ready. Uh, Mm -hmm. they actually brought in department of labor to, uh, talk to us about jobs and everything, um, and gave you a lot of tools and resources. And we did mock interviews and, uh, you know, all this stuff and to actually convert, in military terms from what you did to civilian terms uh, to, to, to put on your resume. Well, you know, like I mentioned, um, I, it was good and bad, like, right. Cause I, in my head, I knew that I was just going to get out and finish my master's. So, you know, I was kind of like, it was kind of one ear and out the other with, with some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I will say that, you know, there, I, after doing my own research, there were, there were some organizations out there like Department of Labor had some decent stuff where I could reference later when I actually started looking for a job. Um, I will say that um, it, uh, I, I hope it's gotten better, you know, um, because, you know, my experience, it was just very cookie cutter. Um, and, and especially uh, being in, in a room with everyone who had mixed um uh, experiences in, in the army. Um, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't really relatable. Uh, well, to some people I should say. Um, but not only that, just going through the difficulty, especially me of, of, of converting, uh, into words, what I did, uh, and, and, and transitioning over to civilian, uh, terminology. Yeah. Um, that was, that was probably another reason why I delayed, <laughs> trying to find a job in the first place. And that, and, and another reason why I just wanted to complete my master's. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll say that, um, so my wife is a federal government employee as well. Um, thankfully, if I didn't have her, I probably wouldn't be able to, you know, get some of the jobs I did. Cause she was actually the one who was able to kind of filter all that military jargon and then convert it over to a resume. Huh. Um, so I, I, I will say in, in that regard, I, I, that, that was probably one of the tougher, uh, parts of my transition was, was just trying to get, um, all, all, all of that, all, all of what you do, uh, on paper and, in, in, into something that civilians can understand, um, because sometimes it, it doesn't relate directly, but especially if you're a leader, uh, whether you're an officer or a senior leader, senior NCO, whatever it may be, you still have those leadership experiences. And honestly, what you hear now today is, is the soft skill kind of, a, um, uh, experiences that people want and need. Um, and for example, like my wife's going through some interviews right now where she's, um, uh, um, 
uh, interviewing some uh, positions that they have open on uh, the agency she's working with now. And they're looking just for good people. So soft skill stuff. And, and, and uh, honestly, that's a lot of the good things that I could put on my resume that was easily uh, understood by, uh, you know, civilians. So yeah. I will say that that, that was pretty tough for me. Um, but, but like I said, as, as I kind of went through that six year, uh, gap, I should say, uh, between the military and, and when we opened up the winery, um, it, that, that definitely gave me an idea of those experiences of what I liked and what I didn't like, mm-hmm. um, whether, whether it was like, uh, having that predictable, um, a- a- atmosphere, um, you know, versus being for me, having more control, more cre- creativity and, um, just kind of doing what I want to do and ha- how I want to do it essentially. So, yeah. And we talk about soft skills a lot on the show in regards to transition. It, soft skills are hard to put on a resume in many, yep. I mean, you can say leadership is a great soft skill, but, yeah. but how do you back that up in, in civilian terms? And yeah. sometimes when you water your resume down so much to civilianize it, it totally, uh, you know, it totally castrates your resume for everything you did in the military. Essentially. Exactly. So it, it's tough. And um, actually we're, we're going to, I'm making a little bit of a pivot with the podcast over time to focus more on job hunting and job skills and not just entrepreneurship. Um, Cause less than 5% of veterans get out and go into business for themselves. Whereas 95% right. of the rest of us, you know, enter, enter the job market or school in some way. Yeah. So um, definitely talk about, you know, try to yeah. address some of those issues. And you said, well, maybe the transition process has changed. No, I don't think it has. <laughs> Can't tap <laughs> yeah, and all, I, all that stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, soldier for life and Marine for yeah. life. And they throw yeah. a lot more money at it, but I don't really think it's changed a whole lot. So, I gotcha. Yeah. But no, but, but that's a good point because like for those six years, like, uh, I, I didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like it, it literally took me that long. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that, that's not to say like, so I work in, in, or I was working in the Northern Virginia area. So there's government agencies everywhere. There's also a lot of veterans working in the, in those agencies. Mm-hmm. And that, that just happened to be my experience, but I know a lot of veterans who love what they're doing, you know, and, and they're, they're working for X, X, Y, Z agency, whatever it may be. Um, and they're having a great time because they, transitioned almost directly into what they were doing or wanted to do on, on, on the, the civilian side. Um, however, you know, back, you know, back, back to me, it, it just so happened that I kind of went that route, especially with the operations and training route, uh, which I was doing in the army. And I just, it just wasn't my fit, you know, like, and, and, and it kind of, I, I go back to, you know, I just wanted to kind of do things my way, just being more creative um, and, and kind of reaching out more to the community, which is another aspect of our, of our business that we wanted to uh, pursue. Um, but, but yeah, so, but I, yeah, that's why I say that because uh, especially being the, here in the Northern Virginia area and we're so close to Fort Belvoir that I see all like, more than half of our customers are veterans or military, you know, yeah. I see them in their job too. So, but, you know, but that's a good point that, um, you know, there, uh, there, there's definitely those individuals who, who love what they're doing, still supporting the mission, uh, just on the civilian side. So, yeah. So I have a wine question, um, in direct regards to how you make your wine. You don't grow your own grapes. You, you buy the, the grapes and the grape juice, and have it brought to you, and then you go from there. So, how how much how much of a good quality wine is the grapes versus the processing 
of the grapes? Yeah. So I've, I've had debates and heard debates about that. Um, I, you know, I think it's primarily the, uh, the harvest, the grape, the grape itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So where he's sourcing it from. Um, and so thankfully, like I mentioned, like, uh, working with my, uh, wife's cousin up in Pennsylvania, um, you know, they kind of did the hardcore for us where they got to see what wasn't great and what wasn't. Um, so, you, you know, uh, we were able to get that fast. However, um, we, we kind of make things our own, right? So um, what you see with different wineries um, is uh, you kind of na- naturally ferment. So you basically get everything and it just starts doing its job, converting that sugar into alcohol. Uh, what we do is use special yeast uh, strains, uh, excuse me, kind of like breweries, mm-hmm. you know, they'll use special yeast stra- uh, strains for their grain and their mash. Well, we kind of do the same thing, except this, it's, it's wine uh, yeast. Um, so we have special ones for our reds, for our whites and for our fruity stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, that there is, uh, is kind of our twist into things where it makes it a little bit more unique, especially if we're looking for specific uh, flavor profiles. Um, and then I got to say too, we actually did get into something, uh, new and neat this, uh, this past year, uh, we did our first Virginia apple one and we actually aged that in bourbon barrels. Um, so, you know, barrels essentially give it another characteristic. Um, but we, again, put our twist on it because I didn't want it to be a just flat kind of apple wine. I wanted to have a twist. Uh, so we uh, found some, uh, some bourbon barrels and that really kind of did the job for us. Yeah. So talk a little bit about where you're at right now. I mean, I mean, I know you out of your two years of being in business, a, a year and a half of it have been in the middle of COVID. So um, hopefully we're coming out of this yeah. uh, as we head into the fall and winter. But wh- where are you at now with, with how much wine you've produced or how much you're selling? What are some of the numbers you can share with us? Yep. So, um, so last year um, we were about, uh, we produced about a little over 2000 gallons of wine and um, we're probably on track to do a little over 2,500. Uh, I will say <laughs> when COVID kicked off, uh, there was uh, panic buying with some things to include alcohol, to include wine. Oh, yeah. um, so we did for the first probably three or four months, uh, probably the first three months uh, saw a huge spike um, like triple, um, almost threefold of what we saw the prior year. But again, like when COVID hit, we were only seven months in. So we only had a couple months of information. Um, so, uh, we did see a spike and actually like even during the summer of COVID of last year, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> January, uh, and I'll be honest, this January is pretty rough. Um, probably one of our, our roughest months because, uh, it, we were back to lockdown almost here. Um, and it like, people just didn't want to go out. They didn't want to experience anything. Um, you know, and, and it honestly, it, it, uh, thankfully, uh, February of, uh, this year into the summer, it progressed a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's funny because I've verified this with three other businesses. Uh, one is a, another winery as well. Uh, they were not seeing the same numbers that they saw, uh, for example, this summer compared to last summer. Um, so COVID was a very, uh, unique anomaly in that regard. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, however, uh, we're still seeing a progression for us. So um, we're still a, a positive net for us. I mean, uh, so and and honestly, the, the trend for us is that September basically up into the holidays is kind of the busy busier months for us. And that's what we're actually, actually, that's what we started to see this weekend for Labor Day weekend. Um, so hopefully we're on that projection. Uh, that's kind of been historical for us. Uh, but I, honestly, I, it probably won't be until next year when we start seeing somewhat of a normal uh, projection for our numbers, mm -hmm. because it's been, it's been all over the place. Um, and honestly, with the summer too, uh, you know, you, you go one extreme of being in quarantine and then you go the other where people just want to travel. So honestly, yeah. I had a lot of customers that tell me, oh, oh, we were out for a couple of weeks at the beach or just visiting or, or going, whatever people right. are leaving, um, you know, oh, yeah. for good Travel's reason. Cause you know, I could, I could, un <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I could understand that. So it's been a huge flux sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, looking into this, uh, like I said, into this fall and winter, uh, hopefully we're going and, um, we are projected, excuse me, to go, um, to get a little bit busier, but it probably won't be until next year where we start seeing more of a, a solid, uh, stable, stable numbers. So. Awesome. Well, Hey, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, you know, thinking of, thinking back about when you first got out of the army and you were working as a, a government contractor and, and even for the as a couple of government jobs, you said it took you six years to discover that becoming an entrepreneur was what you really wanted to be. So if you're thinking about some, if you're talking to somebody that's getting out or just got out and they're looking to start their own business, get into entrepreneurship, what kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah. So I, I will say, um, it, it was a hard kind of decision for me because, um, uh, it, you're going to the unknown, right? And there was a lot of self-reflection that I had to do to just to make sure that it was the right fit for me. Uh, Cause it's one of those things is like, well, if you fail, then, you know, the business fails, I guess I got to get another job. I, I, you know, but uh, there, so there was definitely a lot of reflection um, to see if, if that's truly what I wanted to do, or if it was just a hobby, I wanted to just pursue at home in the garage or something. Um, so, you know, definitely just kind of laying the pros and cons, whether it, um, I wanted to, to pursue this as, as, as a, as a, as a mission of mine, um, or like I said, or just as a hobby, but, uh, just, uh, yeah, just a lot of that, uh, that self-reflection, um, and just to see if it was right for my family, um, and the support I got with my wife, cause I mean, essentially me and her opened up together, um, that it, it, it kind of suited our goals, especially with our, our kind of main goal of, 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 of associating ourselves and helping with the community here, mm -hmm. whether it be through, um, uh, partnerships or, or nonprofit partnerships, I mean, or, or just, um, doing something, uh, an event or, or sales or something, um, that, that was something that we had to really think about. Um, but, but, you know, if, and if you happen to have a hobby and you want to take it to a business, uh, that's great. I think you just have to understand that, um, there is definitely a fine line between having a hobby and then making money for that hobby and turning it into a profession or business, uh, because it's two separate things, uh, because, uh, you know, owning this, owning and operating this winery, you know, I'm putting 60, 80, 80 hours a, a, a week. Um, you know, that's customer service. That's making the wine, uh, bottling the wine, getting everything ready. Um, so it, it's, 
it's more of a hobby now, you know, right. <laughs> so I have to do all this stuff just to stay afloat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, but yeah, like I said, just that self-reflection to see if it's right for you. Yeah. So, so would you rather work 80 hours a week for yourself or 40 hours a week for someone else? Yeah, no. So somebody's asked me that before. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely like what I'm doing now. I guess you know, you're already doing it, so that yeah, answers it, right? Yeah, <laughs> even for all the craziness that's going on, you know, I still have time to plan for what I want to do when I want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just got to put it on the calendar now. That's all. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, hey, Andrew, thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial story. We look forward to getting out of this whole COVID thing and seeing what your what your micro winery, Woodlawn Press Winery, is going to do in, in a normal economy. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>